Adulthood is a scam. No one is having a good time and we are all just moving from one day to the next to pay our bills. How often do you feel this way? What do you miss most about your childhood? Is it your friends or your hometown or toys? Our first friends, companions and tools of work? In many ways, our first toys define our sense of touch and how we use our hands and minds. Growing up, my favorite toy used to be a stuffed dog. I would carry it everywhere. As I grew older, the stuffed dog was replaced by a Barbie and she stayed with me for a really long time. Eventually, I graduated from toys and dolls to books and video games. But I still have those toys and dolls neatly arranged at my home. Toys are literally the first form of learning that we experience as humans, even before we understand the concept of learning. They're often our first possessions and sometimes even teachers. And in a country like India, where people love babies, toys are often locally sourced, made of natural materials and most likely not branded. According to the government data, the toy market size of India is close to $1.5 billion as of 2023. And globally, India contributes less than 1% of the total market, which is expected to be about $100 billion by the end of this year. The government is trying to change this. It's trying to put the domestic industry on a growth trajectory by stifling imports, especially from China, and toying with more and more incentives for domestic players. Schools are making toys an integral part of early education, and in the last few years, startups have sprung up to bridge the gap between playthings and primary pedagogy. Will this work? Where are we headed? Let's find out. To get answers for our questions, we decided to talk to the experts. Our guests today include Jaspant R, CEO of India's oldest branded toy company, Fun School, Ashwini Kumar, who is focusing on the educational aspect of toys with his brand, Smartivity, and Disha Katharani, co-founder of Imagimake, a company creating toys for conscious learning and active playfulness. It's the 15th of September and you are listening to The Morning Brief. I'm your host, Shobori Das, and this Friday, we bring to you everything you want to know about the toy market of India. I have two children. My son is uh, 13 years old. He's a teenager. And uh, I have a daughter who is nine years old. I have a kid and uh, his age is three years. I have one daughter and she is 15 months old. Yes, I buy toys for them, willingly or unwillingly. Of course, I buy a lot of toys for my kid. There are no really occasions. I generally bring one or two toys every month so that she keeps engaging with them. Today, it's like if you want to keep your kids off the screens, then getting them interesting toys uh, becomes one of the options. From a parameter's perspective, it should be safe, sustainable, engaging and interacting. We check that the toy is in the age group. It should not have any hazardous or choking material in it. The most important parameter would be, you know, the educative value. And made in India toy would be more appealing to me as a buyer compared to, say, a made in China one. Price range, really no range. 
I generally don't like to invest more than 500 rupees. I am comfortable purchasing anything which is around 500 to you know 700 800 types. We are comfortable between 200 to 500 rupees. My children yes may get influenced if she finds something attractive definitely she will pick up and probably you know I may buy that for her. My kids influence they not only influence my kids dictate my toy buying decision indeed. India's toy market like most other consumer categories is mostly driven by unorganized brands. Growing up in the 90s, we may have had one or two toy which were branded. The rest was regular stuff, no labels, probably bought from fairs or while traveling during summer vacations or hand-me-downs from older siblings and cousins. There is no no history for toys in India. what i always do is when i have somebody coming in for an interview for a sales position for example a young parent maybe 26 27 years and uh, i ask him what brands did you play with when you were a kid most of the time none of these kids have played with branded toys so there is no history for toys in india and when when do you buy branded toys when you have yourself uh, enjoyed playing with branded toys that's not happened in india but with uh, i mean modern retail taking roots in india the merchandising quality really improved and uh, customers were being exposed to the kind of range that is now available that was jaswant r ceo of fun school india's biggest toy brand modern retail such as hamleys safaya toys from bangalore and e-commerce platforms like amazon and flipkart really changed the accessibility to branded toys and uh, with a little before that came the duties on toys came down initially i'm talking about two decades back so duties came down and that brought in a lot of world class toys were being imported into india and prices were uh, more or less uh, affordable and that again helped uh, build the market now then came the movie based merchandise and as we were representing Hasbro then, and at uh, th- that point of time, um, uh, the Avengers movies came in, the Transformers movies came in, and uh, the market was flooded with m- merchandise re- relating to these movies. And Fun School was uh, uh, the licensee in India for for these products, and the market really took off then. Fun School, founded in 1987, was one of the first few homegrown branded toy companies, which came into existence at a time when their presence in India was almost negligible. Fun School primarily grew by selling and in some cases making toys for these international brands in India. For example, every Rubik's cube sold in India is made by Fun School. Its own brands were a minority of their total business. When I started in the year 2000 it would yeah. have been probably around 30% of total sales because we were still a joint venture with Hasbro and yeah. uh, we were manufacturing Hasbro products, we were importing Hasbro products. and along with that we were slowly developing some of our own brands so it would have been around 30% which today and is now of all that we sell about uh, more than 80% is our own brands why did this flip happen two reasons one fun school's partnerships with global biggies like hasbro and lego ended in the last decade the other reason more relevant to today's episode is the government's various efforts to cap import of toys. 
The government of India increased import taxes on toys from 20% in February 2020 to nearly 70% as of March 2023. This led to a decline of nearly 70% in imports in the last 3 years to 110 million dollars as of FY 2022. As if that wasn't enough, the government of India imposed a new quality control order in February 2020, which made it mandatory for every toy in India to have Bureau of Indian Standards BIS certification. This came into effect in January 2021, and as of 2023, BIS had issued quality control order license or QCO license to 1114 domestic manufacturers and 35 foreign manufacturers. In case you're wondering, this had an impact on all Chinese toys imported in the country, most of which did not have the certification. So this means Chinese imports are also out. You know the issues have been of late. The many of the multinational toy companies depend a lot on imports. They've not really, with all the regulations in place, they've not been able to get in as many products as they would have liked to, and that applies to us also to an extent. because uh, in many of the companies international companies that we represent through exclusive distribution arrangements in india we are not able to get their products in because of the regulations but as i would like to make it clear that we are all happy with it because this opens up a lot of opportunities for indian manufacturers so a blessing in disguise probably because more indian toys are being put in the market we are manufacturing more our product development team is very active we are coming out with new products all the time and there's a lot of pressure on on the team to create and develop new products which is happening the gap left by lower imports in the market was quickly filled out by domestic players which also helped to increase the export of toys which grew by 62% to reach 326 million dollars again for fy22 In addition to that, the government is also working on including toys under the Production Linked Incentive or PLI scheme. Industries that are included in this scheme are given incentives on incremental sales when goods are manufactured domestically. Industries like chemicals, food processing, wide goods and many others are included under the PLI scheme. The direct impact of this will be the genuine push by domestic manufacturers to produce more we are expanding capacity at all our factories all our three plants we have a large plant at goa the first plant of ours we have two other plants at ranipet about 100 miles from chennai where we are based we are expanding capacities at all all these factories you'll see around 60000 square feet of factory space just ready to open in the in the next 3 4 days we'll go full swing after the inauguration we are building another 70000 square feet in our other plant at ranipet all this has happened because we see a lot of possibilities for uh, our own brands to really emerge bigger we now today also in 30 overseas countries and with our own brands which uh, a few years back uh, would have been very very difficult to achieve and uh, we hope the count will touch 40 before in the before this financial year comes to an end but the future of toy industry is being driven 
by new age startups which are cleverly straddling educational and basic cognitive skill development of kids with toys. I spoke to two such entrepreneurs who are amongst the most popular toy brands on Amazon India right now. Ashwini Kumar, co-founder of Smartivity, and Disha Katarani, co-founder of Imagimake, are trying to build toys with a sharp focus on conscious learning and active playfulness. Let's hear from them about how the toy market of India has been developing over the last decade. So Ashwini, I'll start with an easy one. Why toys? What made you guys get into this business? Um, so we are three founders at the company. So we graduated in 2011 from IIT Delhi. Then we worked for like four, four and a half years in different companies. Then we thought, let's start something on our own. We were discussing what industry shall we get into. So toy was an obvious choice because the toys we played when we were kids in 90s, there were same toys in 2010 as well. So we thought, why can't we make something which is, because everything was changing. Internet was penetrating. Kids were getting more and more advanced. So we thought there is a need for something which is a lot more advanced than what we were playing when we were kids. Then we thought, why can't we make a mix of science and playing the same product? Because when we went to the college, we realized a lot of things we read in theory, we saw in the college for the first time. So the idea was to make play experiential. That's why we got into toys. And toys as a market was pretty small at that point of time. But in the last few years now, things have are changing a lot. And because of a lot of government policies coming in, more awareness among people, a lot of potential has for new generation toys is coming up right now. Disha, how did you and your husband Ravi start Imagimake? So Imagimake started as activity centers. We had three activity centers across Mumbai. And that was a fantastic start in a way because it gave us an opportunity to understand the market and the consumer a lot better. What happened is that, you know, that's when we started playing and understanding the preferences of hundreds and maybe even thousands of consumers. So on the one hand, we were selling products like Lego, Melissa and Doug, which were amazing in terms of the play value and quality that they offered, but quite expensive for an Indian consumer to buy on a very regular basis. So we started making toys of our own. We started making activities of our own, actually. And these activities started getting a much better acceptance. People would want to choose them as their options when they were at the activity center. And they'd even want to carry these home with them when they left. So that's where the boxed products or business of Imagimate started. Ashwini, what kind of toys do you guys make? So we make do-it-yourself science-based toys. So we make, we call it STEM as a category. STEM is science, technology, engineering, mathematics. Anything related to science. So uh, teaching kids about how things work around you. So a very simple example would be we have a couple of products which covers hydraulics as a concept. So we don't tell them that what are the equations that goes behind making a hydraulic product. But whenever you see a JCB working around you, kids would be able to relate that. I know how this works. This is not a magic that it's able to lift such a heavy weight. I know the principle that works behind that. So that's what we try to explain with each of our product. So decoding science and making it fun. Correct, correct, correct. We, we call it experiential learning. So making learning more experience with the help of play. Because what we realize is that whenever a toy is bought, so let's say it's an educational toy. Kids don't bother if it's an educational toy or not. They just want to have fun. But parents want their kids to learn while they play. How was it when you guys started selling? 
Did you guys find a set of parents and kids evolved enough to be interested in these experiential learning products? Did you have to create awareness? Did things change after COVID? How was it? So we were the first brand in India to promote STEM as a category. So people didn't understand what STEM as a category is. So we did a lot of activation in different stores, explaining people what are the importance of STEM toys. But post-COVID, we saw a lot of consumer behavior shift happening. So when kids were at home, uh, when schools were shut, people started realizing the value of STEM as a category and STEM as a toys. So post that, the demand started rising up. So in West and in developed nation, there is a big demand and market preference for do-it-yourself products. In India, I would say the products are picking up. In India, there is this market fit for DIY as a category is picking up. We are developing a lot of IPs in India. As a company, we have more than 100 design patents on our name. We keep on launching around 15 to 20 products every year. In India, this shift is coming out and a lot of new generation parents like us, they have a preference for do-it-yourself products. But in West, these preferences are already there. Disha, Imagimic also has a lot of educational toys, right? Are those your main revenue generators? So, um, you know, we have uh, two main sub-brands. So Mapology is one of our brands that we started with. It is all about exploring the world around us. Children love it because it's got a variety of play patterns, lot of color. Parents love it because there is an educational content. And that is something that has worked very well for us through our map puzzles to begin with and now with the entire Mapology range, so to speak. Understood. Tell me how Imagimic works with schools. In terms of collaborations, we do work quite actively with schools as well. Products are aligned to pedagogy and not aligned to the NEP. So we've seen good acceptance in schools. Do have a success story from the U.S. space as well. So we've been reviewed and selected by the Dallas School District in the U.S., for our Mapology range. So that's a pilot which is going to start next month. In terms of other collaborations, we do work with educators and faculty from design institutes as well. Of course, uh, the National Institute of Design, NID, leading the way in that space. And of course, we continue to work with NGOs. So one of the main challenges when it comes to any consumer product category is distribution. Reaching the right audience is of utmost importance. Ashwini, could you tell us how wide your sales network is in India and what's your global reach? In India, we cover close to around 1300 stores in India, which would include all the tier one and tier two cities. We are there in tier three cities as well. We sell through all the marketplaces like Amazon, Flipkart. So we cover all the pin codes in India through online channels. And apart from that, we cover around 32 countries apart from India. Our biggest markets outside India would be US, Europe, some parts of Western Europe. And then Japan. So we started Japan last year and we are getting a lot good response in these markets as well. So in terms of reach in Japan, we are covering around 150 odd stores. In next couple of years, we plan to make it around 500 odd stores. In the US, we are in advanced talks with a couple of very large retailers. So we might be having around three to 4,000 retailers in by next year in the US. We are only one of the only Indian toy brands who have been supplying to China for last four to five years. And uh, in other markets, we cover through Amazon and then we work with distributors for every market to cover different stores in these markets. I see. But speaking about the brands in India, isn't the domestic market still very fragmented? 
Oh, correct, correct, correct. But the organized penetration is increasing very fast because the retail is getting more and more organized. I would say top three largest retailers in India, they didn't exist seven to eight years before, like Amazon, Flipkart, Hamley. They were not existing before. So market is getting more and more organized. But as a channel, I would say Amazon is our biggest channel. And in toys category on Amazon, we have a 40% repeat buying rate, which is by far the highest among any toy brand in India. On Amazon, if I uh, tell you so, our uh, business has increased by around 7 to 10x as compared to 2019 as we speak right now. So in 4 to 5 years, it has grown by around 10x. So my colleagues who have kids keep complaining how toys are becoming more and more expensive. Do you guys also sell expensive toys? So for us, our average selling price would be around 850-odd rupees. And that's premium pricing, right? Uh, a bit. Uh, so some of the largest retailers in India, like for Amazon, I would say their average selling price would be around 550, 600 odd rupees. So we are more than what the average selling price is for the Amazon as a toy category. But uh, in terms of pricing, let's say when we sell our products in the US and Europe, like 850 is our average selling price in India. So in US, our average selling price would be around uh, $25 to $30. So around two, two and a half times more than what we are selling in India. Just to give an example, when we talk about the price point, so most of the people relate us closest to Lego. So Lego for the uh, price point would be around four to 5,000 rupees. So we are around 20% of the price of the Lego. Disha, how about you guys? How are you priced? So in terms of uh, price point, we have a range which starts at 119 and goes all the way up to 199. The sweet spot, though, we believe is um, 500 to 1,000. So that's where uh, the pricing lies. And has there been a challenge considering you guys are priced slightly above the sweet spot? No, not really at all. You know, I think it's all about the value that we're offering. Um, in fact, one of our best sellers on Amazon right now is about 1,000 rupee price point. And that's something that's working really well. So that, that's a very clear indicator that, you know, people don't mind spending so long as they really see the value and, and they that they're getting worth their time and money. So it's not just about the sale, but also the experience that we're able to offer. And what kind of margins does Smartivity enjoy? In terms of margin, we are not at par. We are less than what our global peers enjoy. So the bigger brands like Mattel, Hasbro, Lego, they enjoy gross margins upwards of 65%. For a brand like ours, we work on a gross margin. Right now, for this financial year, we are tracking a gross margin of around 55-odd percent. And uh, in terms of pricing, so if, if we say 850 rupees is the average selling price, so around 50% of that goes to retailers. So for us, my realization was around 425, 430 rupees. So on there, we make 55% gross margin. So the material cost comes out around 200, 250 rupees. So that's the unit economics that plays out in this industry. So unlike other industries like electronics, where the retailer margins are around 10%, in our case, this goes as, as high as 50%. Again, the biggest reason for this, I would say, would be the sheer size of the market. As the market grows, this entire economics keeps on changing and the prices will also start coming down. I wanted to also understand, you know, when it comes to Indian toys, are we still primarily copying the West or, you know, the global successes? For example, like now we have the Chandrayaan kit, right? Now make your own Chandrayaan kit. Now this has come after so many years of the Apollo 11 kits, like... I mean, where is the innovation? In which category is the innovation coming from? We do have the Indian toys like the Chanapatna toys. Are there any truly Indian toys that kids are playing with these days? Well, I'd like to 
differ with you over here. I think everything that you see behind me is truly Indian. Um, it's all designed, made, manufactured in India, marketed from India for Indians as well as um, global consumers. To address your example of Chandrayaan, to be specific, see what my view of that is very different, right? Like we said earlier, toys is a content-driven business. The story of Istro is a story that I don't think other toy companies were telling, which is where we believe that as Imagimate or as any other player in this space, we have a fantastic opportunity, a responsibility. We are a part of a narrative where we have a say in terms of how we weave this narrative. If we're going to children during research and children are talking about NASA, 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 who's going to really tell them that, hey, there's something fantastic called Israel? That's a story that we can choose to tell, and that's different. So I do believe that there is a strong differentiation over there, not just in terms of the content and the story that we choose to tell, but also in how we're bringing it out, right? A lot of your Apollo 11 kids were based on heavily plastic molded items. These are heavier in terms of investment from a toy design perspective, may even be expensive for a consumer to purchase. Being able to offer this experience with materials that are more aligned to the Indian consumer and in a play pattern that is long lasting. So while, of course, the Chandrayaan kit that we have uses paper and cardboard as a primary material, in order to extend the replayability and life, we've designed a small, very specifically designed plastic joint, which helps connect the pieces together and makes the play a lot more reusable and long lasting for the child. Let's talk about the materials that you guys are using while making the product, right? Our company is leaning towards sustainable products more that we are creating for the children. I think while the discerning parent is a lot more conscious of a sustainable choice, not every parent in India has the luxury to be able to make choices that are always in that direction. So again, I believe the onus lies on players in the industry that even if the materials being used are not necessarily the most sustainable materials, what can we do to make a toy more long lasting? Can we use plastics that are, you know, biodegradable or regenerated from materials that are? So of course, you know, where sustainable materials can replace non-sustainable materials, fantastic. Where we can eliminate the use of single-use plastic, Absolutely. I mean, there's been a fantastic crackdown on the elimination of single-use plastic in toys. And I think that itself is a big win right there. Has the space of plastic toys reduced? I'm not sure I'd agree with that. In fact, off plate, what we've seen is with the crackdown from the government's end on imports from China, there are a lot of small-scale players in the, emerging in the Indian landscape, which focus on looking at what was coming from China, what was selling well. And a lot of these were plastic toys. And sometimes the kind of quality of plastic that they were using were not necessarily the best either. So we've seen a lot of companies in India emerge to try to fill that gap. It's a whole industry that has to work together, right? So we're headed in the right direction, but the journey ahead is long. India is already on its way to take that next step in its journey to become a bigger player in the toy industry. It is expected to grow at a CAGR of 3.6%, faster than the world average of 2%, 
in terms of value sales during 2023 to 2027. For the government, the growth of India's toy industry cannot happen without reducing China's hold over it. But the gap between us and China in strength and size is really wide. China is the second largest toy market in the world after US and before Japan. It is expected to close this year with a market size of $13 billion, almost 13 times that of India as per Euromonitor International. To be sure, the Chinese toy market has existed for decades and has an entire ecosystem built to support the micro, small and medium enterprises. India's MSME's toy manufacturers are incredibly small in comparison and while the government moves are helping, they still need a proper ecosystem to be able to clear the quality control measures. Some green shoots are showing. In July 2022, India's first toy cluster, the Kopal Toy Cluster, was set up in Karnataka by EECS, a Karnataka-based contract manufacturer which works across aerospace to consumer goods as industry. This is the first toy cluster of India and spread across 400 acres in special economic zone, which will help toy manufacturers, suppliers and every other vendor of the industry to work within the already set up toy manufacturing ecosystem. Six large toy manufacturers and suppliers have already committed to their plans of setting up factories in this toy cluster area. This adds to the smart startups that are disrupting this space and are growing awareness and inclination as consumers to buy Indian products. But this is just the beginning. You have been listening to The Morning Brief brought to you by The Economic Times. A big thanks to our guests, a shout out to the team that helped put the episode together, our producers, Subit Pandey, sound engineer, Amrit Reggie, and executive producers, Anurban Choudhury, Anupriya Nair, and Arjit Barman. Please like, share, and subscribe to the Morning Brief podcast on your favorite podcast platform to make sure you don't miss any episodes that we drop on every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Thank you for listening in. Listener.